Yeah, you know, when she was just praying, she just said, um, thank you so much, uh, Lord, for safely bringing everybody to this place. And I think um, uh, just today, it hit me again, you know, how, how much we take that for granted. You know, we say, oh, thank you for keeping us safe. Thank you for keeping us safe. But I, I think everyone is aware of what happened over the weekend in Paris and Lebanon and, and you know, these types of terrorisms that are happening. And a lot of countries on high alert. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we take certain things just so for granted and we don't realize that we are so blessed uh, to to be here and, and should things change should circumstances and situations change even in this week and next week it, you know something happens here or whatever you know that it still doesn't shouldn't change our 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 faith in God and uh, uh, I'm just reminded of um, uh, just how, how thankful we are to be for all that we have um, and all that we are right now as we get ready for Thanksgiving uh, Sunday next week. Um, and so I just want us to uh, be reminded of that one more time. And with that, I, I do want to go into our text this morning. And um, I, you know that uh, last week I told you that we're going to be, uh, be doing a two-part series on, on why we do small groups, why, why do we uh, want to be in life groups. And last week we talked about uh, how you can't really separate community from Christianity. You know, you want to talk about Christianity, you have to talk about community. Uh, that, that Bonhoeffer said Christianity is, is, a commun- is really community in Jesus and through Jesus Christ. And, and it is community. It's all about community, that we're not saved as individuals and that's it, but we're saved into a body, into a community, and we're called to be a community as the saved ones. And so that's what we talked about uh, last week. And and uh, we talked about why it's so important uh, to join uh, small groups and be a part of a smaller intimate community because, yeah, community happens on Sundays in a large group setting like this, but you know, if you're in a smaller, more intimate setting, you're, uh, you're going to experience different things and you get to share, you get to learn from others in a different way. Sunday morning, uh, no matter what, it's going to be a little more casual. It's going to be a little more on the surface of, uh, in terms of what, how we interact with others. And so today, I want to kind of take that a little further and just continue uh, on our topic of uh, uh, community. And, and, and last week, because we talked about the big reason why we, are, we, we need to be in community, we're called to be a community, uh, I want to talk about one just specific element, aspect of uh, what happens in a community. Because there's so much that we can talk about, you know, uh, in terms of what it means to be a community. Uh, but today, I just want to uh, look at just one uh, aspect of uh, what really should be happening in these small groups and what really should be happening in a community of God. Um, and so that's what we want to look at. And, and for that, we want to look at, turn to James chapter 5. We're going to look at James chapter 5. And I do want to clarify one thing, because I said last week that, you know, for our church, uh, I don't have an agenda. I didn't come in with an agenda, you know. Um, and Grace, my wife, she went home, she's like, so you don't have any vision for the church, huh? And so uh, that's not what I meant, okay? Uh, what I meant was, uh, you know, that I don't have my own personal agenda. And I, when I was quoting Dietrich Bonhoeffer last week, too, he, I don't know if I mentioned this, but he talks about uh, people uh, who have their personal agendas and personal visions 
truths of how a kingdom should be. And when they come and bring that into a community setting, they're more preoccupied with what they think it should look like. And so they're easily disappointed, or easily frustrated, and, and uh, you know, they, they're not willing to accept what God has laid out for them. And so I said that you know, we really just participate in the kingdom of God. And so in terms of specifics, yeah, I don't have my own personal agenda I don't, every community of God looks different. You know, community of God looks different here than it does, obviously, in the Middle East. It, does, it looks different in China. It looks different in South America. So I don't have a specific agenda. And it, it's, there's so much uh, uh, cultural implications of what a, a Christian culture should look like, you know, or does look like in different places. Uh, so I don't have that agenda. I do have a vision for the church, and it is that we, are a gro- we, that, that we do become a growing community of God. And in terms of specifics, I, I think it, it's going to get worked out, and, and we, we, we participate in what God is doing. And as we make ourselves available to what God wants to do, and we become obedient to His voices, um, then, then I believe that you know, things are going to work out. I believe that this community is going to look like what it's supposed to look like as the people become, make themselves available to what God wants to do here. And so with that, I just wanted to clarify that um, to my wife, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, so with that, I wanted to look at one specific uh, part of uh, what should be happening in community. Uh, because, you know, if you look at Acts and, and study early church and, and, and or even just, you know, what is a good community? What's your idea, definition of a healthy community? We can, t- we can talk about, hey, everybody shares. You know, everybody shares everything. Everybody is loving. You know, yes, these are all very important parts of a community because who wants to be in a community where they don't share? Who wants to be in a community where they're not loving, constantly criticizing each other? Nobody wants to be in that community, right? And so these are very important and really uh, essential elements of what it means to be a good community. But, but if your community is only characterized by these things that I just mentioned, uh, sharing and loving. If that's the only thing that defines your community, then really there isn't anything distinctly Christian about that, right? Everybody can agree with me on that one. It, and we can find communities like that in different places, you know, outside of the church. You can find those types of communities in other religions and other, uh, even, even, even atheistic, secular environments. You can find communities that are defined by sharing and loving. Well, what defines a Christian community? What is uh, distinctly Christian about the community that we're talking about? While assuming that, yeah, we are to be sharing, we are to be loving, you know. Um, and, but what I'm saying is that if our community is only characterized by those things, then there isn't really anything distinctly Christian. Or what does my faith have to do with any of this? You know, how does this help my life? How does this help me to live a life that I'm called to live as a Christian, right? And so I want to look at James 5, uh, verse 13 through 16, okay? I'm going to read this for us. James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 says this, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Let us pray. 
Father, we uh, humbly come before you and, and we want to open your word right now. And as we look into your word, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you'd open up our hearts, Lord, and help us to come with humble hearts. Help us to come with open hearts. Help us to come making ourselves available at your feet to whatever you have to say to us this morning so that we would be uh, living, uh, be able to live the life that we were created to live, that we were designed to live in community as we talked about already. And so uh, right now, God, I pray once again that you would help us to keep uh, just our eyes on you and let your words speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this, uh, this, this book of James in the New Testament, who, guess who wrote it? James, it's not a trick question. <laughs> okay, Peter? Oh, no, it's James, okay? It says James. Uh, it's not a trick question. So James wrote this, and James is interesting because he's, uh, he's, he's actually related to Jesus. He's half-brother of Jesus, right? So he's not just anybody, really. Um, and so he wrote this letter, and, and it doesn't have a specific location. Like we looked at First Thessalonians last week, and that's addressed to a specific church in a specific location. Right, but this one actually doesn't have a specific church. Um, so, uh, but I, I think so. I, I think it was circulated, and and uh, actually all these letters were circulated, and that's how they got into the canon. But um, James is writing this letter, and and it was written fairly pretty early, and it was written to a new community, just like the community we looked at last week, relatively young believers and still forming kind of community, right? And just like last week, they were also under persecution. We also talked about that, right? And so uh, we're looking at this uh, letter, and James is writing both to encourage them, but also to give them instructions on what it means to be, how to build a community of God uh, founded on the name of Jesus Christ. So James is, is uh, writing this letter to really uh, all of us, all Christians, right, and, and giving encouragement and instructions and how to uh, help the community uh, get healthier and grow in Christ. Now, so James, just like all the places in the, in the New Testament letters were addresses, addressed to, they had all these problems. Because, right, that's why all, all, all these apostles and, and they were writing these letters because these churches were having some problems. They were having all these, you know, different types of problems. And James, uh, whoever he was writing to, I mean, he must have had some specific place in mind. Uh, but, uh, you know, he says in verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So he's talking to all, all the uh, Christians, right, scattered. All, all in the area. And uh, if you go through, it's a short book, and if you go down through chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5, which is the last chapter we're looking at, uh, you see that there were, uh, the problems they were facing were persecution, right? They were being persecuted for their faith. And uh, also, there were some wealthy people within the community that were uh, just kind of you know, oppressing the not as wealthy people. So he's kind of rebuking them. Uh, so that comes up in chapter 5. And uh, if you look at chapter 1 in the middle of it, and also chapter 2, um, you see that a lot of people, and I think some of us can relate to this, a lot of people, for them, their religion, their faith in Christ had become sort of a formality. Okay, so they're just kind of going through the motions, right? I don't know about you, I've definitely been... Uh, in that stage many, many times in my life, okay? Um, and even as a pastor, even as missionaries, even as a worship leader, you can very easily slip into this place where everything you're doing is uh, it's just kind of, you're going through the motions. You're going through the motions. Who can identify with that? I mean, I, I certainly can, you know? Um, so that was one of the problems. 
um, there were some uh, discriminations within the community, in the church, because of lack of love, not just from the rich to the poor. In the church, we're not talking about outside people oppressing the people inside the church. Uh, we're talking within the community. Uh, there was, you know, some people were getting preferential treatments, treatments because I don't know, because maybe they were better looking or, or less <laughs> good looking, or 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 uh, just less love. They weren't caring for one another. You know, money had some. Uh, to do with it at times, but basically maybe status, uh, maybe their position in, in, in society, in their, in their town, or whatever. Um, uh, so there were some discriminatory practices uh, that showed that there is lack of love, okay? And finally, there was uh, another problem that was that uh, in their speech and attitude, there was bitterness. They were just kind of maybe, I don't know, short with each other, uh, but th- maybe they were very critical of one another, but there was bitterness. It says in, in chapter 3, you know, it says there's bitterness in speech and, and attitude uh, that really ruined, broke their fellowship, right? So you look at, I just gave you a list of problems, and I don't think they're all that different from what we're facing today, right? Um, some of them may be uh, a little more exaggerated than others. Um, and some of them we may, you know, we may not necessarily see it right now, like the persecution from the outside. We don't, we don't really have that, okay? Um, but, uh, you know, besides the persecution, actually, you look at the rest of the four problems, the other four problems, the rich oppressing the poor, uh, the religion of um, uh, a lot of people becoming formality, superficial things, um, uh, discrimination against each other because of lack of love and bitterness in speech. Now, where do all these problems come from? Are they coming from outside the church or from inside the church, within the church? These are problems that exist from within the church, right? Nobody's coming in from the outside and, and, and throwing them bags of problems to deal with, right? These are uh, in, in this community, and uh, there is a problem that's happening within the community that's breaking up the community. And so in chapter 5, verse 9, this few verses before our text today, it says, don't grumble against each other. And right before this, actually, he talks about second coming, just like last week's text as well from First Thessalonians. But he says, verse 9, don't grumble against, against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Okay, remember, I talked about how salvation, you cannot take that, you separate that from community. So last week, we took a look at how he was talking about Jesus and the salvation, that we're all saved. And he says, therefore, encourage and build each other up. Salvation, community. Salvation, community. Same thing. He talks about Jesus Christ coming again, the second coming. And he says, therefore, don't grumble against each other. He says that in verse 9. Okay? Now, and you keep going down and you get to our text today. And this is what I want to look at, uh, specifically applying to our, our church today as I'm talking about small groups and, and uh, making a community. This text that we read today, uh, really there is one main point and, and really it's prayer, right? He's the, I don't know if you remember what we just read. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is, are you sick? Then call the elder and have him come and pray for you. And you're going to get healed. Okay? And, and uh, uh, there's, there's this theme of prayer uh, in this text. All right? So right away, we know that the Christian community should be characterized by prayer. So this is a very important thing. And let's go through the verses uh, briefly, uh, just kind of 
quickly and, and to see how we can um, apply this into, into our situation right now, our church, as we seek to build a community here. First, uh, 13, it says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Okay, is there any one of you in trouble? He should pray. It's not talking about physical sickness or anything like that. He's talking about, you know, are you in some kind of trouble uh, or are you suffering for some reason? They're um, under a lot of pressure or, or hardship, okay? Not necessarily illness, but suffering and hardship um, and, and perhaps because of their faith in Christ during that time for whatever reason, but it's just general understanding of trouble. Are you troubled? Then you should pray. And then he goes, are you happy? Are you happy? Um, if you're happy, then you should what? sing songs of praise. Sing songs of praise. So trouble, pray. Happy, praise. Trouble, pray. Happy, praise. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about it, and I thought these are very specific uh, instructions on how to re respond to these situations. And I'm troubled, I pray. You know, when I'm happy, I praise. Okay, but I think there's something bigger here um, and um, a deeper that we need to understand. And it's that, what, what is the, who, who is he saying? Who is James saying to turn your eyes towards when you're in these situations? Whether you're troubled or whether you're in good, happy situation, who is the center? Who is the center of your attention there? It's God, right? It's God. So if you're troubled, you should pray. And if you're happy, you should praise. Because really, praying and pray praise at this point, it, it, you know, it's not saying uh, you're going to come out of trouble. And, you know, uh, but, but, but he's saying that uh, no matter what happens in your life, Okay, you should keep God and Christ as the center of your attention. No matter what happens, that He is to be the center of your attention. Okay, what does that mean for community, for us? I was thinking about this, and uh, you know, I realized that when you're alone, when you're so self-absorbed, uh, when you're isolated, uh, what, what happens is that it's really hard to uh, see the other person's uh, situation and their point of view and what they're going through, right? He talks about trouble and happiness. Um, it's only in community. It's only when you're in, belong to a community that you're able to keep your eyes on God no matter what is happening. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been in many of those situations where, you know, um, uh, in, a, in a small or small group setting in church uh, where you share something and you share something, it, it, was, it was good news. Like you just got into school of your dreams or maybe you just got the job you wanted, you were praying for, or you got a raise or you just, I don't know, you had a baby or you're getting married or whatever it is. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's good news, you know, so you were so excited, you shared and then, and, and really, that's all you're thinking about, and everyone's happy for you. And the very next person that shares, shares something really heavy. You know, uh, maybe it's the other way around. You know, maybe you're so excited to share, like, your good news. And then, but the person that goes right before you shares something really just dark and heavy. And I'm contemplating, I'm, I'm you know, struggling with suicidal thoughts and, you know, blah, blah. And, and you're like, Man, I was going to just share that I got engaged today and I wanted everybody to be happy for me. But man, this is awkward, you know, or maybe it's the other way around, whatever it is, you know. But if, if we're not in community, we just get stuck in our own situation. And I'm only thinking about myself. And, and if, if I'm the bearer of bad news or if I'm the one who's suffering right now, you know, I... I don't want to hear about your good news right now. This is where I am. This is, I'm suffering and you know, oh, blah, blah, you know, and it's hard to 
hard to be stuck in that mode if you're in community because you are forced to deal with the troubles of others as well as your own and the happiness of others as well as your own, right? So he says, are you in trouble? You should pray. Are you happy? Then you should praise. And I think that the best way to practice this is in community, is in community so that we may be able to keep our eyes on Jesus, that I'm not so focused on myself and my own problems. Because the point is, whether you're in trouble or you're happy, your, your uh, gaze should be on the person of Jesus Christ. And that is best in community because we are naturally kept accountable in that way. And he says in verse 14, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith uh, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Now, there's a lot of things I, I can talk about here. With Who are the elders? You know, uh, Is it only the elders that are supposed to pray for sick people in the church? Um, I, that's, I don't think that's the case here. It's really talking about you belonging to a community, reminding you that that you're in a community, and that in a community there are people who have different roles in the community, right? Um, but anyway, I'm not going to get into that right now. But again, this is emphasizing that there are other people in the church, the other people in the community, and that you are to call the elders of the church. And also, and it talks about anointing with oil, right? Uh, I just I do want to mention this because some people uh, attach. Um, unnecessary amount of significance to anointing of oil, okay? I like anointing with oil, you know, um, and being anointed with oil. Have you ever done that, you know, been anointed with oil, you know? Um, I, I like that, but, he, you know, if you read on, you know, it's very clear. It's not saying that uh, it, oil is very magical, and then as soon as you, you need some sp- special oil, and only when you get anointed with oil in your head, then you're going to get healed, and only by a certain person. No, okay? Um, what does it say? He should call the elders of the church, pray over him, and anoint him with oil, what? In the name of the Lord. It is Jesus Christ who heals. Okay, when we act in obedience to go and pray and to love others, and, and we act that love out by lo- praying for them and obeying this, and, and anointing with oil, the significance of that is basically, I think the best explanation that I can uh, uh, share is, is, is that this person now is being set aside for a special purpose of God. That doesn't mean that, oh, when, when you're sick, you know, and, and the elder comes or pastor comes and anoints that person with oil, that you gotta, you're going to have to go and become a missionary when you get well. No, that's not what we're talking about. This person is being reserved for God so that God's power and grace and mercy may be manifested, demonstrated, revealed in this person's life, whether through healing, whether through transformation of his heart, Okay, um, and so that, that's what we're supposed to do here. Are you sick? Call the elders in the community. Call the others. And he goes on to say, pray for each other. So it's not just the elders who are supposed to pray. Uh, but uh, call the others. Let the community come and pray over you. And, and, and be, uh, be anointed with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. There's a lot there, right? There's a lot there. Um, uh, Offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So uh, I I, I could see that uh, at times certain 
sickness, certain illnesses may be a result of one's sin in life. Okay, I can't, I can't completely discount that. Okay, that there are situations in, in, in our lives where, myself even included, where maybe it's because of our sin that we are struck with illness. Okay, and, and it may not even be a spiritual thing, but because of your obvious acts of sin that your body just can't handle it. Okay, that you're sick. All right? and so, uh, but in, in those situations that just praying for physical healing is not going to do anything, we have to get to the uh, real uh, root cause, the, 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 the core of why uh, this person is sick, why I am sick, why I'm, I'm suffering like this. Okay? Um, I know that growing up, uh, you know, I know that there are members at our church that grew up like this too, but any time a bad thing happened, it's like, oh, what did you do? You know, what did you do against God? You know, did you do something? Did you sin against God? And, and I know that even uh, there are pastors today that anytime a natural disaster happens, it's like, oh, that city, that country, it's because they worship the devil. And they, you know, um, maybe, I don't know, I don't know. But, you know, that's not for me to judge, for, to figure it out. Uh, but from the Bible, I could say that there are times... Uh, when um, certain things do happen because of sin. But it's not always. It's not, it's not always where somebody's sick, somebody gets in an accident. Oh, you must have done something. You must have done something. You know? And that was the uh, culture of Israel at that time too, the disciples. You know, when they encountered that blind person, was it this person's sin uh, or his parents' sin that he was born blind? And what does Jesus say there? He said, no, nobody sinned. This, was, this happened so that the glory of God may be revealed. Okay? Um, and, and, uh, and so we don't know what, why certain things happen all the time. And, and, uh, uh, but w- all we can do is, if, if something is happening, that we are to pray, that you, we're to come together as a community and pray, and uh, we're to pray in faith, and God will uh, raise this person up and he bring healing. And if there's sin involved, that needs to be dealt with. But all of this uh, is, is, is happening within what? Community. All right. In verse 16, he says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Again, we have the sin issue and the healing kind of being connected here in this passage, right? Um, I'm going to quote just one last quote from the book that I, I showed you last week, Life Together by Bonhoeffer. And he says this, He who is alone with his sin is utterly alone. Okay? He who is alone with his sin is utterly alone. You know, I remember uh, in high school, in our youth group, uh, you know, uh, occasionally we would have these um, separate boys groups and men's groups. I, I think I must have been like 10th grade or something like that. Um, so that Friday, our normal Bible study time, we had a separate boys group. So it was all the boys. I was in there with our youth pastor uh, who, who, was, uh, who, was, uh, who was a man. And so uh, male youth pastor and the, all the boys in the high school group were all together. And, and we were all sharing and he's trying to get us to share. And... and uh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I was, what, 10th grade, so how old is that? 15? Okay, that was fast. Thank you. <laughs> so I was 15 years old, and, you know, 15-year-old boy, right? What is the biggest preoccupation for a 15-year-old boy? Well, not the biggest, right? But one of the, you're, you're, you're like, 
fully in puberty and you know what what is what, what do boys think about don't be embarrassed don't be embarrassed cars okay yeah cars yeah. girls right okay a lot of uh, boys think about girls and you know your body's changing and you have all these hormones raging and you know and uh I'm opening up here, guys, okay? So I was I was a 15-year-old boy and, and raging hormones, and we're just sharing, and he's trying to get us to share, and I was like, all right, you know, um, uh, it, it, obviously, you know, I had all these thoughts, and I was struggling with things, and, and I, you know, I just, you know what, I'm going to share it, but I mean, it was terrifying, it was terrifying, but I, I talked about my, you know, struggles and my own thoughts and, and, and things that I, I look at and think about, and I shared, and thinking, my gosh, they're going to, think I'm so horrible, they're going to think I'm a pervert, and, and my youth pastor is going to never look at me the same way, and, and they're going to judge me, and maybe I shouldn't do this, and, but I did, and you know, I got to tell you, it was one of the most liberating experiences of my life, because until that point, I really thought I was the only person in the world that had all these dirty thoughts, and that had all these, you know, uh, uh, physical reactions and, and preoccupations with certain things, and, and, but, and, and so I felt so guilty, you know, about this thing, right? And, and so I, I just shared in fear and trepidation, and, and, and guess what happened? What the first thing that the youth pastor told me, Mike, that's normal, <laughs> that's normal. Have you ever heard that from somebody, and it was so liberating for you? You, you thought you were the only person in the world that was struggling with this, you know, with, maybe with a certain type of sin. And, 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 and you, like, you, know, you can't even pray to God anymore because God can't stand the sight of me. You know? But when you share that and someone else, your brother or sister in Christ tells you, oh, that's normal. It's not only you. Sure enough, the other boys, like those jerks, they waited for me to share first. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, me too. You know, oh yeah, I struggle with that, you know. And then that opened the whole can of worms and it was just like, okay, enough, everybody. Okay, calm down. <laughs> but, you know, Bonhoeffer says, he who is alone with his sin is utterly alone. He says, confess your sins to each other, you know, uh, uh, and pray for each other that you may be healed and forgiven. You know, and, and, and really, I think this is what makes Christian community the, uh, what it is. One of the most fundamental, crucial elements of a Christian community is the fact that we admit, we confess that we are broken, that we are sinners. That when we come together, that we're not trying to put up a false front because we're being judged by looks or, or accomplishment, achievements, degrees, or how, our salary or our size of our, our house or, or, or how good our kids behave or how well they do in school. But that when we, that's the world standard. That's what we have to deal with. But when we come into a Christian community, at least the Bible, what the Bible says is that you, you don't operate in that, in that world anymore. You come into a community bearing all, really just becoming naked because you become naked in Christ. And remember I said we are saved, not as individual and you're done with it, but you're saved as you are and you are saved into a community. And so we come together. I come into the community. You all come into the community with me. And we stand really, we are to stand naked before each other. Figuratively speaking, right? Okay? And that we're not judged. And that, that there is an incredible freedom that is found in that community. And it is only possible because Jesus Christ has made that possible for us.
Because he said, your sins are forgiven in me. And remember what I said? That whenever I come to you, any one of you, that there is Jesus Christ standing in between us. And so I have no right to judge you. I have no right to put you on a scale and say, oh, you're worthy of maybe level four affection from me. Oh, you're this. Okay, all right, I'm going to put you at level eight of affection and importance in my life. No, it doesn't work like that. Right? And so he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, that we find healing when we come into a community of Christ. But what was happening when James was writing this, and so many other churches scattered through that region in that time, was that, yeah, in the church, the rich were oppressing the poor. This is in the church. In the church, you know, when they, when they come together for Lord's Supper, what was happening? Apostle Paul says, are you serious you're doing this? You're going to die. You know that, right? Okay, that, that people who have importance, they come in and they'll give them better seats for Lord's Supper. And people who are not in support, they'll let them sit on the edges of the table. I mean, this is what's happening in the church. And this, Apostle Paul is going, are you serious? And James is saying, really, there are rich people in the church that are oppressing the poor? Really, in the church, are you grumbling against each other? Really, in the community of Christ where everybody has been made equal, everybody has been saved from their sins, everybody has been made whole from their brokenness, and, and, and we come admitting that we are broken, we come admitting that we are sinners who need the grace of Jesus Christ to survive every single day. Really, you're discriminating against each other? Really? And he's saying, come in the community and, and know that you belong to one another. And I want you to pray for each other. And then you will experience healing. And then you will find freedom and confess your sins to each other. See, why, why do I keep pushing life groups, right? Small groups. And, and we're even starting another one this Wednesday for, for uh, singles and young adults. That, that's going to meet every Wednesday. Weekly, not bi-weekly. You know, why? Because why? Sunday is great and, and we should all come for And we talked about this. This was one of the spiritual disciplines, you know, Sunday worship and coming together and, and corporate worship. This is so important. But the things that I'm talking about here, you know, uh, small groups, that's where, where this happens where we can come and truly experience the Christian community as it's supposed to be. We don't come here just to sing some songs together and hear me, hear a pastor just kind of give a talk and then, okay, I did my religious duty for this week. I'm clean this week. You know, that, that you're missing out so, so much of what uh, you can experience as a Christian, as somebody who has been saved by Jesus Christ. And this is supposed to happen in these communities. These prayers, you know, these um, caring for one another, it, 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 the life groups that I'm talking about, you know, that's what we're aiming towards. That's what we want to see happen. You know, even these life groups, uh, you know, I, I, I want our, our groups to come together and, and our sharing to get deeper and deeper. Because that's when you really will begin to experience this is what it means to be in a church. If you think that being a part of a church is just this, man, you, you, your expectation is, is too little, <laughs> too little. Um, and I can't even 
if that's all it is, then there's really nothing to offer. Why not just go to a concert? They'll put on a better show, you know. Um, it's really in these small communities where you come together and you see that, oh, Jesus Christ has transformed my life and his life, her life. And, you know, we're on our way to becoming more like Christ. And, and, and it's going to be messy, but this is where I am going to be uh, 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 finding healing and care and love and, and I'm going to be growing through this. So the, the text today, main point was prayer, but the thing that I wanted to emphasize was what? That this prayer happens in the context of a community. In these groups. You know, when I meet with you, one-on-one, when you meet with one another, one-on-one, that if this is happening in community. Thank you.